0: Hey guys, I want to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. And how do I know? Because Todd a Toddcast now switched to Anchor and it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Can you imagine not having to lug all of your equipment every place you go to do an interview or record? You can do it all right from your phone. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to be heard, they send you there. You do the fun stuff, they do the hard stuff. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, it was so it was stuck
1: on on in one part of my thumb on this side, right? On the on the bottom part. And I didn't have to stick it through the other whole side of my finger, but I had to go through meat and through another portion of my thumb.
0: We're talking about a man. That's face. co-host that's those smoke, and it's johnny and i'm toddy this is the tc What's up? What's up? And good evening to you. This is Todd Orndorff from the Toddcast, coming at you from the great state of PA, Central PA to be exact. My name is Todd Orndorf. I'll be your party host for this evening. And along with me today, from parts unknown, he's the hype man for Tattooed in the Wild, the Raging Redneck himself, the title holder to Castle Venice on Jerkay, Mr. Johnny Sparkles, Johnny Simonetti or Simonetti. It never matters because he's ready. Johnny, what's up, my friend?
2: What's up, my homie? What's up, my homie? How you doing, bud? Good. How are you?
0: Oh, not too freaking bad. Actually, I'm tired as hell, dude. I just did uh, at the real gimmick job that I got. I just did 120 hours in the last two weeks. Let me tell you, I'm freaking dead. I just today is my 22nd straight day without a
2: day off. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, dude. Freaking sucks.
2: It's brutal. The last time I I, I talked to you on the phone, dude, you. You sounded like you were tired. I mean, yeah. listen, when when you
0: basically have a three-man department at your job, and the other two dudes come down with COVID, you're kind of screwed. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's nothing I could do, man. I had to be there. But uh, I'm telling you, dude, I'm freaking exhausted. And actually, folks, this is um, the first episode we've had on what, three weeks, Johnny? Yes. And we have episode to drop. I just don't have time, you know? <laughs> we, I, I literally just It's not even edited. Swear to freaking God, it's not even edited. But before we um, talk any more about that stuff, I do want to bring up something that, that we spoke about on that show. Johnny, we had number 26 and 27. The 26th and 27th country to listen to this freaking show was announced on the episode that has not been out. We will leave those two out for now until I do find time to drop that. But we got number 28 and 29, Simo. Nice. Number 28. Welcome to the party, Russia. Thank you so very freaking much for tuning in. And number 29, who I found out today, Johnny. Why don't you make the announcement? Who was it, baby?
2: South Africa.
0: South freaking Africa, for some reason, (laughs) are listening to me and your southern ass. How the hell did this happen?
2: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Me neither. I have no
0: freaking idea. But uh, But thank uh, you.
2: Thank yeah. you, and
0: welcome to the park. Actually, absolutely, man. Russia, and like I said, we got two more that are going to be announced uh, as soon as I drop the episode. It's a pretty good episode, so I'm not going to give any spoilers and such. But um, yeah, man, I can't freaking believe. It. And you know, I was I was actually asked yesterday, "What is your show about?" I was like, I, I mean, I have no idea, really, to be honest with you. I mean, we can't say it's like Seinfeld because. Titty and Shiner happened to just say, you know, it's kind of like Seinfeld. So we're like the Dean Martin Variety Show podcast. We never know what you get. We're never going to tell you what we're going to talk about because, quite frankly, a little like pull back the curtain a little bit. Me and Johnny have no idea what we're going to talk about either. But for some reason, we struck gold in a way. So uh, but, Johnny, you know, a lot of times, actually, like 95 percent of the time, it's just you and I on this thing, bro. Yep. that's it. But uh, every every once in a while, you know, we like to get somebody else on. Maybe someone with, uh, maybe someone with like a really sick Fu Manchu. Maybe someone who just, uh, maybe someone who just maybe likes to, you know, crack a couple beers, puts them over their head, you know, and, and guzzles them in an Austin 316 shirt. Who knows? But, uh,. <laughs> I think we actually have someone on today. Uh, Johnny Simon, I want to introduce you and fans of TC. I want to introduce you to uh, a good buddy of mine, a guy who I have a lot of history with, actually, from uh, the time that I was 14 and he was 13. That's when we first met. And uh, it's my good buddy, Mr. Matt Truesdale. Matty, what's up, my man? T-O-double-D,
1: Mr. Orndorff. I could not be more excited to be here with you this evening, or as we used to call you back in the day, Rudy. I could remember throwing the ball, you, on the pitcher's mound, that right arm. And let me tell you what, I will never forget throwing that strike on the mound, championship game, glove thrown in the air, running on Jumping on top of you on the mound. It's one of my most all-time favorite baseball memories. And it's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And that man right there is who I have to thank, Mr. Todd Orndorff. So here we go. I can't be more pumped right now, man.
0: I, uh, how much did that just cost me? <laughs> thank God tomorrow's payday. Matty, thank you, buddy. That's awesome. And he ain't lying, dude. When he was uh, – you were 13. Yeah, we won the
1: championship my rookie year. You were 14, and we had some hounds, uh, some really good guys, those uh, 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 seniors on that team, like um, uh, Hoover, um, who, was, uh, who was behind the plate? Who was catching you that night? That was
2: Bill
1: uh, Waugh, Bill Billy Waugh, yeah. Yeah, we had some ballers, man, and um, uh, it, was, it was one of those, those teams that, you know, nobody was going to stop us. Definitely not. Not uh, who was it? Zero? We were playing that night.
0: No, it was VFW.
1: VFW. That's. I
0: remember because I hit a homer that game too. Ah. So
1: yeah. What a a star.
0: So, uh, John, in case you didn't know, he was my teammate for a very long time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All the way through high school too, man.
0: Yeah. Good times. It was very good times, dude. How you been, man?
1: I've been doing well. I've been doing well, then uh, had the opportunity to uh, travel around the country a little bit, uh, which was a very very good eye-opening experience in a lot of different ways. Um, and, and learned through those experiences that there's a lot of awesome, interesting, cool places out there, especially in our United States of America. And I'm glad I had those opportunities, but uh, I learned that, that I'm rooted. And I'm rooted in the limestone soil of Pennsylvania. And um, uh, moved back last uh, last spring and couldn't be more excited to be back. Currently living in beautiful Bucks County, Pennsylvania. The good part of Bucks County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> let me remind you. Let me tell you, there's rumors. Um, not rumors. It's true. Factual. Um, Chase Utley used to live around the neighborhood where I'm living.
2: Really? Um,
1: at one point when he was playing with the Phillies. Yeah, so I I got pretty lucky. I lived in a pretty uh pretty cool old farmhouse and um got got to be really good friends with the owner and a lot of a lot of interesting people in the area who have lived here and, and one of which was uh, Chase Utley.
0: So That's pretty, pretty awesome. Well. As a baseball guy, that's got to be pretty cool for you. Even yeah, it's not, yeah, even though that's not your team, that's pretty cool. I'll
1: tell you what, you know, yeah, it's it I won't lie. It sucks to have grown up a pirates fan it's really hard <laughs> let me tell you but <laughs> through, through that and through the preservation or to pr- preser- preservation uh, the preservation i forget the word i'm trying to look for right now Pre- perseverance you know um perseverance too it's it, it gave me the perspective i just like the sport of baseball you know and yeah, I'll always pull for the Buckos, and I'll always hope that they win. They're going to be my team, but it, it was just cool to have the, the chance to uh, go to games in, in Texas, in Arlington and see the Rangers play or, or be in Colorado where I was and, and go into uh, the, the mile high um, stadium and Coors field and, and sitting in that row, that purple row in that stadium, which is a mile high, you know, and um even with this year with the COVID, uh having the chance to go down and being part of that pandemic crew sitting outside of, of the uh Phillies stadium in the ballpark and watching the game in a different way. It just made me appreciate baseball in a way that like I just it's my sport. I love it. And I I I love the World Series this year. I really wish it would have gone to game seven, but you know, it was a great series nonetheless. So
0: It was. It absolutely was. That's cool, man. It's uh I mean, obviously, from the I meet, mean, you know, like, where I stand with that game and stuff, and Johnny does, and all the listeners also do, too. But, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a pretty famous softball catcher as my co-host. <laughs> is that right, Johnny? What are you is talking right? about? Isn't that right?
2: Uh-uh, what are you talking about? What do you
0: mean? I thought you led the league in some, in like, in some stuff or something,
2: didn't you? <laughs> no. How long has it been since
0: you last played, Simo? Uh,
2: nine years. Nine years. Yeah, it's probably been nine years. See, so,
0: My last year, so there's a league here, which Matt knows about, <laughs> called County League. And um, it's extremely competitive, man. Um, not just in the sense of wins or losses. It's very, very – and, Maddie, tell me if I'm wrong I'm, – about this assumption that I have, but it's a very ego driven league.
1: That's a, that's a correct assumption. Um, and an assessment as well. Uh, and, and to go off of what you said, Todd, I believe it's one of the oldest formed or longest running, however you want to describe it, adult baseball leagues in the country. Yeah. I, I, I was told that or heard that somewhere. It has a lot of history. In fact, The the state or the the field where they play is named after uh, John Montgomery Ward, who's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he, I believe, if I'm not um, mistaken, is the first player in a recorded game to throw a curveball.
0: I don't know that fact, but that's pretty awesome if that's true. I, I never heard that, but that is cool. That's what's sticking in my cranium and what
1: has been there for years, so. Unless I made it up, I, I I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I was told, you know. But regardless, <laughs> he's in the Hall of Fame. and He's from Belfont.
0: Yeah, he's so. he's from my he's from our hometown, actually, yes, which sir? is cool. And uh, actually, my uh, my favorite probably my favorite baseball memories, I guess, just because of everything that I endured over the over the time period happened on John Montgomery Ward Field, so that was pretty cool. But so. We here on on the show – actually, hold on real quick. I forget things. Matt, you're going to notice on this show, we'll, like, go into – or, like, I'll, like, go to start something, or Johnny will go to start something. i like, I got to cut everybody off because there will be a thought that will pop into my head that I want to, like, save for later time, and it never happens. And I'll just, like, after the show, I'll talk to Johnny like, son of a gun, I freaking forgot this. So um, before we went live here, guys, I changed, as you can I had the sweatshirt on. And, uh, not gonna lie, it's pretty freaking hot in my house right now. But, um, I gotta give a shout out to somebody. Matt, you might not know this, but my co-host, Mr. Johnny Simonetti, who you just met for the very first time, um, he goes, he's been on quite a few different podcasts. And, uh, he just so happens, there is another podcaster in Belfont. Oh, yeah? Yes, and it is a political podcast and mr johnny simonetti is uh, very vocal when it comes to gun rights and and such <laughs> and he's not afraid to bump his gums on the issues well it just so happens that i am a financial supporter of that show um that is called liberty lighthouse by peter seraphine good buddy of ours and uh he was running a contest and johnny simon has somebody won the contest that's right so the prize nice. ladies and gentlemen And I I swear to the heavens above, this is not like I'm not getting anything out of saying this, but I seriously think if you guys are into politics, you should go check out his show because that dude is so detail oriented when it comes to subjects on politics, it's unreal. And I just spent an hour on his front porch last week talking politics about stuff. But I won, I, I won the contest, and the prizes were you get to go to his merch site and pick out one item, any. Cost doesn't matter, and uh, that would be the prize. So it just so happens I won. Um, My name was actually drawn uh, legitimately. So I was like, you know, what do I get? You know what I mean? There's all these different things, like I could get a COVID mask or something. And um, it just so happens it's getting cold outside, so I got a sweatshirt. Now, on the back, you guys won't be able to see this right now, but on the left pectoral of this sweatshirt has – Has uh, the Liberty Lighthouse logo, but on the back, there's a big, I'm talking, like, lat the lat AR-15. Matt Truesdale, what colors are typically AR-15s? Black, right? Black, yeah. Okay, so, (laughs) there is a humongous AR on the back of my sweatshirt right now that reads, It's because I'm black, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) so that was that was um that was my prize so peter seraphine i told you and i promised you i would rep yourself on my show today and i told you that i would give you a shout out well deserved thank you for the gift pretty awesome and honestly i wear this thing uh probably more than i should in between washes it's legitimately that comfortable so head on over to uh peter seraphine's site and get some stuff man Liberty Lighthouse. Liberty Lighthouse podcast. It's one of the things that made Johnny as famous as he did. Matt, have you ever gone to the... Uh, I, uh, this is probably stupid for even asking you this, but did you ever go to the Great American Outdoor Show?
1: <clears throat> I have been to it, yes. Uh, a couple different times. I've, I formulated my own opinion about it, but yes, I've been there.
0: Well, we we've never... We, me and Johnny have done this. Well, he's he's been on the show for just over a year now, about a year and four months. And um, you know, we've never really like signed autographs for the show, but I'm, I highly recommend that you get a pen and paper now that you know Johnny Simo and you get that dude to sign at least a napkin, because right now you were staring, you right now you were staring into the eyes of the most popular man that has ever set foot in the Great American Outdoor Show
2: i beg to differ yeah you beg to differ (laughs)
0: my ass listen maddie so i met johnny for the first time in february for the very first time ever and i've known him for going on eight years he comes up at that point he was on the show for like eight months we never met in person and uh i pretty much begged him to come to harrisburg it was like what johnny three and a half hour trip yeah but a three-and-a-half-hour trip, as you know, it's like a buck and a half for me. So I'm like, let's go, man, let's go. Like, we got to meet. We're both outdoorsmen. Let's go do this thing. We walk indoors, man. I'm telling you what, if there was if there was not a line half-mile long when they saw Johnny Simon, I don't have a hat on right now. It was absolutely insane. All these people coming every direction. Johnny Sim I'm like, cool, man. I'm wearing the show shirt. He's not repping any merch and he's getting all the love. Like, I um,
2: yeah, okay. You know what I was repping. That's the only reason I got recognized. It wasn't me. Yeah, please. Everybody knew the name. It was the tattooed in the wild shirt. That's the only reason I got recognized. <laughs> so yeah,
0: so I, I just wanted to, I just want to let you know, Matt, who you actually are talking to. You're talking to Mr. Johnny Simonetti, and it's kind of a big deal.
1: I I can uh, sense the reverence in all of this, so I I respect thee, sir.
0: <laughs> so guys, let I, I want to I, I really want to talk. Like th- it's th- it's this time of year, outside of the beginning of a baseball season and uh, me getting all pumped up and psyched up and everything. My uh, my second favorite time of year is now. It's getting cold. It's bow season going on. Johnny's taking pictures with other people's deer, saying that he shot them. And, you know, we just – you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Simon. It's okay, brother. <laughs> I know. I haven't even got to go out yet because my coworkers decided to get COVID and go hunting. But, um, so – yeah, I, I, just, I just want to talk a little bit outdoors today because the the premise of this show way back when 2016 when it all started was all sports in the outdoors. So let's let's go old school. Let's talk a little bit of outdoors. Talk hunting, talk fishing, talk whatever the heck we want to talk about. You guys sound good? Sounds like a plan. All right, well we're going to start with we're going to start with Simon cuz he he did how many of
2: you bagged so far this year? I've only bagged one. I only bagged one. Yeah. And that was, so, uh, you haven't heard the latest story. Now, I do have two deer in my freezer, though. So you yeah. haven't heard this. You have not heard the latest story. I do have two deer in my freezer. Matt, he's the, he's the guy who shoots one, somehow
0: ends up with two, okay? Just, here we go. <laughs> here we go. So, so talk to us. Talk to us.
2: No, well, you knew I killed – I shot the three-pointer uh, two weekends ago. I shot a three-pointer with my, with my crossbow. Are there, and, wait, uh, I, hold on. Are there no antler restrictions down there? Now now I have an antler restriction. No, there isn't, but you're allowed to kill one, say, spike, okay? Now I the only thing I can shoot now, it has to have four points on one side. Four? Four points on one side, yes. Wow, okay. So it's got to be, you know, a seven or an eight. You can't, you know, or it's just got to have four points on one side. That's our antler restrictions that they started I'm going to say probably four, three years ago that they started that, which I don't have a problem with. And honestly, when I shot this deer that particular morning, I I never saw the antlers. I, I shot it for a go. I, I did not know it was a three. I did not know it was a buck because <laughs> it's kind of funny because I was actually asleep and I had my hands across my stomach and I felt my phone vibrate because my buddy texted me. Colby, who's hunting, you know, he's hunting seventy-five yards away from me, and he said, "Are you asleep?" And I said, "No." He said, "Why didn't you shoot that deer that just walked by your tree stand?" Because if you look, he can—the way he sets in his tree stand, he can see the 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 field edge that I'm watching it, you know, through the corn. And I said, uh, "I didn't, you know, I never heard it. I didn't see it." He said, "Yeah, it walked right by your tree stand, Johnny." I said, "Well, I was." I said, "I was asleep." I said, but I'm not now I felt, you know, I felt my phone vibrate. So like five minutes ago go by, I kind of look over my shoulder and I don't see anything. Five minutes goes by and he texts me. And he said, it's still there. So I turned all the way around in the tree stand and located it, grabbed my crossbow, turned and it, it saw me. I guess it caught some kind of movement because it kind of bound off a little bit, but it stopped perfect broadside at probably 35 yards. And I shot. Heard it hit. I heard it crash, and then we. I got down. I never did find my arrow, um, uh, or my bolt. They call them, excuse me. And uh, but I will say this much: all the hype about the Zeus, and it's it's no joke. I shot that deer right behind the shoulder, and it ex- it is kind of quartering away from me, and it exited on the opposite, uh, through its shoulder. bone, And I have yet to find the bolt. I don't know where it went when it went through the deer. But the deer didn't run 40 yards and crashed. Dude,
0: I, I have heard so many good things about Zeus broadheads from you and from Sarah Ann, and I don't have none.
2: <laughs> I don't have any.
0: Now, who now, who do I yell at? Because, you know, you're an advocate now for Zeus. You know, you're the most famous man at the outdoor show. You shoot these Zeus. Sarah Ann is a rock star in the outdoor industry. And, you know, just just little old me. You know, I don't, new I don't, I don't new era archers.
2: New new era archery. Get a hold of Nick Albanese. No,
0: I'm getting a hold of. She owes me some. No, <laughs> she owes me some. So. Oh. So, so, so Maddie, that was that. Okay, good. So Maddie, I, I know that you're not huge in hunting anymore, right? I mean, I.
1: So let me let me say this. I I appreciate hunting. I like hunting. I. I want to get to a point in my life where the the only meat I consume is that of which I provide for myself. I think that would be an awesome way to try to live. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I just, and, and I still hunt myself, uh, you know, white tail, um, rifle, you know, like every other Jimmy in Pennsylvania, you know, that has a, has a gun. Um, my jam is, is just trout fishing well fishing in general but but trout fishing um that's what takes up most of my my time and and priority when it comes to outdoor recreation and i like other things too backpacking mountain biking you know all kayaking all those those good things um, all these yeah, outdoors it's just, right it's just um hunting is just one of those things that I, I, I know I could always do because I've always done growing up with my dad from hunting squirrels, you know, small game, things like that, turkey hunting, all that, I've done it. So um, I know I it, it's always there for me. It's just one of those things that, you know, it's on my priority list of, of things. It's just not up there with some of those other things, you know what I'm saying?
0: Right. So. Now, Johnny, I know you've never been to where Matt and I are from, but we're he he brought up trout fishing, and you know he could attest to this. How spoiled we are in this area for trout fishing. If you ask me, you know I've I've had the opportunity to fish um, in multiple places along the East Coast trout fishing, and you know I've always been told that like the mecca on the Northeast is here. That, that's legitimately what I've always been told. Uh, Maddie I don't know how you feel about that or whatever, but i mean i i I think it's kind of hard to argue with everything that we have here
1: no it's it's definitely arguable one hundred percent I mean you don't have people like Jimmy Carter renting and owning property in central Pennsylvania if it wasn't for the the prestigious Green Drake hatches along Penn's Creek. You know what I mean. We have people that come from across the world for that hatch. And that's just I, I,
0: one. I've met people who've flown in from England to to fish oh, yeah. the Green Drake Hatch.
1: Correct. And that's that's just one stream during one certain part of the year. And you talk about streams like the Bald Eagle Creek, for instance, which I know is is a stock stream. So it might not get as high of a, a priority list of people that want to fish it, like places like Spring Creek. Or the little J, but it has an amazing sulfur hatch, and even Spring Creek has a really good sulfur hatch. And and if you even go up north into the further into the PA wilds with Kettle Creek yeah. and the fly fisher waters up there, I go on a trip with my my father and my cousins, my family every year. We rent uh, cabins and and go on a fly fishing trip uh, the the week after Memorial Day, and it's it's an amazing time fishing Pine Creek. And all the bodies of water up there, uh, you're you're correct with that assessment. And um, you know, you see other places, especially out west. I'm convinced fish out west are dumb and they're <laughs> easier. To fish. That, that's is what I was saying boils down to. I don't for whatever reason, or, or you know, it's our fish out east are smarter. I don't for whatever reason, I think they're harder to fish, and I don't know why. Um, but but what everything goes back to what you were saying is yes we we as in central pennsylvanians or people that live in this area are very spoiled and very uh fortunate for for the resources we have as it pertains to water um water resources specifically cold water resources and these cold water bodies of water that support these trout
0: simon what's what's the trout fishing like down where you're at like are there trout streams or is there lakes what you guys got
2: Oh yeah, there's trout streams. Uh, a lot of them are stocked. Uh, we have a lot of, of ponds and lakes that they will tr- they will stock every year that you can go fish. But there you you have natural uh, trout streams here. I don't I don't do a whole lot of stream fishing. When I will go to the ponds and stuff and and catch trout that way, but uh, we don't do a whole lot of stream fishing. When you come up
0: here, okay. look. I want to say something. I want, both of you, I want this to actually happen, so Matt, please listen. I
1: am listening.
0: When Johnny <laughs> when Johnny Simo gets his butt here, okay? He's never been here. He's been as close as Harrisburg. Simo, you're going to come up here. I know you don't travel, Sunshine, but listen up. You're going to have to come. When you come up here, you, me, and Matt are going to go and hit the waters up in the mountains of Pine Creek, up around Slate Run, Matt. Oh, yeah. It is the most beautiful freaking view you would ever have standing in these waters. And you look, and there are just mile-high freaking mountains all around you. And you feel like the littlest freaking pebble in this big stream. And then you just got mountains. I was, listen, I, I, I was around Slate Run this one time, which, Johnny, we will introduce you to Slate Run whenever you come up. Um, I'm walking into the water, and I turn around. Just um, because there was a car driving on the road, and then I just heard, like, these brakes, and the tires were just, like, skidding on the stones. I'm like, what the heck's going on? You know what I mean? I'm not too far from the road. I turn around, and at the wood line, it was just probably 60 yards, I'm guessing. The wood line was – if if this thing was not at least 450 pounds – there was a humongous freaking black bear. And guess where it was walking? Right towards the freaking water. I guess it was in the line <laughs> of fire. I was, you know what I mean? But, man, it was it was freaking massive. So many bear out there, Johnny. So many freaking deer. And some of the best fishing you would ever have in your life. Nice. You know, the visual I makes got... it everything. Yeah, yeah you're going to catch some really nice trout. But the visual of what is there, untouchable.
2: Nice.
1: I almost thought that you said uh, a big bull elk crossed the the creek right there, because there's there's elk up there in um, uh, that part of central Pennsylvania too.
0: Yes, there um, is. But yeah, no,
1: Todd's one hundred percent right. The Pennsylvania Grand Canyon is 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 some of the most picturesque, amazing outdoor space that you could. Uh, encounter or or be a part of within in this, the Commonwealth, I should say.
0: So, yeah, nice. it it's pretty freaking awesome. But you know, are you guys? If the opportunity came, okay, would you ever go out west and hunt? Oh yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, okay. You could pick one western animal to hunt, Johnny Simo, and let's just say let's go firearm first. Bow second. What would be your animal of choice for
2: firearm? Elk. Elk with a elk with a firearm. Yeah. Well, yeah, or or either or it doesn't matter. Elk would be cool. Elk or mule deer. I mean those those are two you know to go out west that would be on my bucket list. Right. Well, for sure. Well, well, we'll we'll talk about the mule deer
0: because one of the weirdest things about deer with me just like the way my mind works with with the hoofed animal that is a deer is, is it's it's one of the craziest things and i'll make sure to get to that here in a second so i don't forget but let's go maddie same question in the in the west you could choose one animal animal to harvest with a firearm what would it be
1: it's a good question
0: that's why i asked it sir
1: Yes. <laughs> I am aware of that. Um, huh. So, if I was to be 100% completely honest with this question, if I was going out west, it would be for fish and not to hunt. But if I was going to hunt specifically, and I had the opportunity to go for something that would be unique and an opportunity I probably wouldn't get anywhere else in a lifetime, what comes to mind first is big horn sheep. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Without question. Why, but it just does. I just think that would be, like, one of the coolest things to, like, go out there and try to hunt.
0: I'm going to agree with you on that for my rifle. And the reason being is because of the terrain in which they roam. Yeah. And I, I've, I have this thing where, you know, like... The reason why I love hunting so much is because so much of it, I believe, is like the measure of a freaking man. You have to seriously, if you really invest time, and if you really, I mean, I don't, I mean, unlike Johnny, because he, 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 his stands 50 yards from his car, he gets in there, 10 minutes later, he's bagging one. So it's like, I don't know how, (laughs) I don't know how high your high fence is, Simon, that you don't tell me you actually have but nobody gets to hunt opportunities like you got us normal people. Sometimes we got to put in a little bit of effort. Okay. But I would really love to go out West and bighorn sheep would be freaking phenomenal just because of where they roam on the mountains. And you got to somehow spot and stock. You got to somehow get close enough to make something happen in terrain like that. And it's you against the wild. Are you kidding me? And I, I I would I would wanted, I w- I would really love to do that in a solo hunt, just myself out there packing, doing whatever. Um, but yeah, bighorn sheep would be absolutely freaking phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. If I now the second part of this, is if you had a bow, um, my my bow hunt is an elk out west. I want to take a thousand pound animal. That if you measure its body, it's two feet freaking wide. And I want a complete pass-through. And I just want to stand over that son of a gun in the middle of absolutely nowhere that I've ever even heard of. And just be like, That's freaking right. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what that the bow hunt is my elk. That's what I want. That's my goal. That's my jam. Someday, somehow, yes. Simo, bow hunt. Out there, what you picking? Is it going to be an elk still? I mean, it can.
2: Well, it can. But, I, you know, honestly, with a bow, I would, I, I'd like to go hunt with our buddy Chris Hall with Hornstar Outdoors. Oh, go my kill God, a black we got to
0: get him on.
2: Yeah. I'll, that I'd dude like to duetted me on TikTok, tail.
0: by the way. If you haven't seen that, he duetted me on TikTok.
2: That's awesome. But, yeah, I'd like to go hunt with Chris and, and, and shoot a blacktail. He, he 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 puts it together every year. And this last one he just got and he had his boys with him, man. That was pretty damn special.
0: That was, absolutely. Yeah. Matty, bow hunt out west, what'd you taking? I was gonna say
1: Kodiak Bear in Alaska, but um Ugh. that might be a little too uh fantastical, but no, bear for sure for me. If it was gonna be archery, I'd I'd be wanting to shoot a bear.
0: Just just imagine going out to Prince of Wales Island where there's Grizz and there's Blacks and you can just like <laughs> – like you fly. Oh, my God. Incredible. That's – it's like a. I, I love the fact that I grew up on a northeast just because of what we have here outdoors-wise. But, man, there's got to be nothing like being over there, like out in Alaska where, you know, like you legitimately have to fly in and then it, they drop you off, and you're like, I, this is the smallest an individual could ever feel in their entire life, and guess well, what? My job is to survive.
1: Let, let me let me tell you a quick little short story, uh, Todd. And it, it, it doesn't get to that uh, great of a mindset of being that far out west and specifically northwest, but uh, after graduating college, three of my buddies bought a trip a fishing trip up into uh, the middle of Ontario. Okay. We, we picked out this place, this uh, uh, fishing outfitter in the town of Sudbury, Ontario, which is about 11 hours from state college. But if you get lost, it's 13 hours from state college. Uh, Great times up there going through the border. Interesting times as well. Um, but let me tell you, they, they actually flew us out in a Cessna to the lake that we were fishing, and it was just the three of us on this huge lake, nobody else in, in miles, you know. They had, uh, fortunately for us, they, they asked us what we wanted the fridge stocked with beverage-wise. So, you know, that was awful. There was a, a fridge there that ran on propane. There was a sauna and everything there so we could, you know, stock that up and bathe and jump in the lake and everything. But it was awesome. No one. It was crazy. At night, you know, the stars coming out. Um, but uh, the the second day, no, 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 I'm sorry. The day after they came in and checked in on us, I believe, I had gotten a treble hook. Stuck through my thumb,
0: oh. and
1: it, the first time it had ever happened to me. So I was in straight denial. Like I caught this nice small mouth, got it in the boat, and going down to pick it up, and all of a sudden, pow, You know, it bucks at me, and all of a sudden the treble hooks in me, and the treble hook is in me and the fish at the same time, and the fish is going all around, and <laughs> my thumb connected, and I'm freaking out. And finally, I get the thing off, and I throw it in the water, and the thing's on my finger, and I'm like, oh, this is not happening, son, not today. And I try to pull it out right away, which is a big mistake when it's past the barb. And I was like, ah, this is not happening. So I go back to the dock, meet my buddies, and they come down, they look at it, and they look at me, and we look at each other, and we're like, yep, it's going to have to happen, isn't it? So one of them goes and gets the whiskey, and I take a swig of it, and they're holding me down and my buddy's like, here we go, and they're pushing it on through. And you could see it, I kid you not, you could see the skin from the the hook on the other side, like this far out, and it took so much force for it to finally pop through. Aww. But there's so much adrenaline going through me at the same time, you know. It was like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Finally sniffed it off, got it out, and uh taped it up. Things were good. But at the same time, like you said, we were out there in the middle of nowhere. So I'm thinking like, I hope I don't get gangrene or some crazy infection now. You know what I mean? But um, fortunately, it was only a couple days. They flew us out Friday and we were back tailgating the first Penn State game the next day, Saturday morning. We drove back all the way from Canada to tailgate lots overnight. So that was pretty cool. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I've never in my life had a hook go into my fingers thank god. But holy smokes man, you had literally had to push it through your finger. Yeah, it was so it was stuck
1: on on in one part of my thumb on this side, right, on the on the bottom part and I didn't have to stick it through the other whole side of my finger, but I had to go through Meat and through another portion of my thumb on the bottom side like there was a solid solid like quarter inch from where it went in on one side to like where it was extracting on the other side like that much space you know so um time. <laughs> oh canada but uh, <laughs> was great. the fishing was awesome if i ever go back i would definitely recommend those people and go back to them myself so um but we were catching walleye smallies um uh, northerns it was it was awesome
0: that's
2: super cool so have you ever been hooked not like that not to that extent no no i mean i've had hooks in my finger, but not not to the point where i had to push it all the way through no <laughs> you're pretty, not that bad man. you're pretty gangster man that's pretty I – I mean, I'd say just take the here. thumb off.
0: I don't know if I want to do that.
2: I mean, I'm sitting here cringing just listening to him. T- I mean, I know that's what's got to happen once that barb gets so far in there. It's not coming back out. I know, but I'm sitting here cringing as he's telling that story. Jeez.
1: Listen, I, it does sound bad, but, but when I say with the adrenaline, it does add some kind of effect to you where it's like – Does it add some yeah, sort of comfort? But not as bad, maybe as I thought it would have. So,
0: <laughs> so speaking of whiskey, um, Simo, I went and visited uh, a uh, former guest tonight before we started the show, Mister uh, Mister Jamil, <laughs> <laughs> neighbor Jamil went and visited Jamil. him real quick, and um, he gave me. He was like, "Hey man, haven't seen you for a little bit." Uh, you want to have a drink? And I was like, well, it's a recording night. Of course I want to have a drink. You know, why would I not? <laughs> and, uh, dude, he gave me some Elijah Craig. 130 proof. Whew. The boy didn't tell me that it was 130 until it was already poured. What am I going to do? Be like, hey, uh, no, thanks. You know what I mean? You're so right. before we started, I was almost like half in the bag. But I mean, like after hearing... After hearing Maddie's story now, I feel like I got, like, a little bit more energy. <laughs> so, I, I feel like I'm, I can be kind of reckless when I'm around those sharp objects, but now I feel like I'm going to pay a little bit more attention.
1: Uh, a coach, uh, like Denny Leathers, once uh, described me as a catalyst. So I definitely feel as yes, I have brought in the energy for you as a catalyst this evening, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> shout out,
0: shout out to Coach Lovers. <clears throat> uh, so hey, you guys both, um, I think I, I think you guys both brought up well, white tails or black tails or, I mean, not white tail. Obviously, we talked about mule like, deer and blacktail. So one of my create. One of the craziest things about deer to me, and Matt, you might not know this, but this is really, really interesting and it's legitimately true. Yeah. Uh, whitetail. I mean, geez, I'm stuck on these whitetails. There's none left over here. Johnny shoots them all. So, I mean, why, <laughs> am, I even, so why am I even talking about them? Uh, Matt, have have you spent time in California? Not, not at all. No. Okay. Well, I've, I think I've it's.
1: Been, I've been a, Sorry, so go,
0: ahead, go ahead. I think it's I 5 that runs down California. I'm pretty sure the road is I 5. Well, on the west, oh, I'm sorry, on the east side of I 5, okay, all the deer in the Midwest there are considered mule deer. But the way that they. The, the, California is so freaking weird in so many different ways. Not only from Johnny's favorite people being from the left, but, uh, so if, if a mule deer crosses I-5 and goes west towards California, that mule deer, if harvested over on the other side of I-5, it's considered a black-tailed deer. If a blacktail from California crosses I-5 and goes east over towards the Midwest, that blacktail, that is a blacktail in California, is harvested as a mule deer in the Midwest. Isn't that wicked? Yeah.
1: So you'll have to ex- excuse my ignorance because I don't know my Western mammals too well. Um, are they different species or are they, are they the, just the same, just that's the different common name?
0: I am so glad you asked that question because the the <laughs> – that right there blows my mind. The the crossing of I five, but the origin of deer in the United States. And Matty, you're an outdoors guy, so you might like this. Johnny, I think you've probably heard this before. So, all right, Matt, schools and sash, buddy. Let me teach you something. So, all all deer in the United States at one point was in the southeastern part of the United States. Okay, and then, uh, at one time that herd of southeastern whitetail traveled westward and ended up in the northeast. They stayed there for years and years and years and years. And then over time, some of those deer then traveled back eastward, where where we all are. Well, the ones that stayed over time and through evolution, those whitetails that were in the northwest, were formed into blacktail due to vegetation and whatever the heck else happens. So now we have blacktails that originated from the whitetails in the south in the southeast. So then years and years and years, plenty, like many, many, many years go by, those blacktails travel eastward the same time whitetails from the east started traveling back west. They met in the middle, the midwest, and that's where mule deer came from. So everything started as a whitetail. The whitetails go west, some come back, some stay. The ones who stay turn into blacktails. They both meet again in the middle, and that's how mule deer have, were created. It's pretty freaking nuts, dude. <laughs> I, thought,
2: I thought he was froze up for a minute. Nah.
1: <laughs> why, why, life, life is, is a uh, interesting thing thing it finds a way huh?
0: a biologist in vancouver british columbia is the one who did all the research i I forget the i I, I forget the researcher's name but uh yeah it's pretty awesome and you know that that makes you know i don't know it's 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 so crazy but i mean apparently through like through years and years and years of research that's that's how everything came about everything started as a whitetail in the southeast that's pretty cool. It's it's weird, man. It's pretty yeah. cool. But you know that makes me think of something. So like research, right? Why is it if you steal from one, if you steal from one, it's plagiarism, but if you steal from many, it's research? How does this work? Like why is that okay? You know. What I mean? <laughs> this is something I always thought of. That's
1: yeah, no, that's a good question. Throughout my uh, time as an outdoors person, especially in Pennsylvania, Todd, I'm sure you could relate to the mythical stories of mountain lions. This pisses uh, me
0: off. Go, keep talking. This pisses me
2: off.
1: Well, I don't know in which line or section you uh, lie on or weigh in on, um, but I can tell you 100% factual uh, scientific information from all my research done. This is a decade's worth that... Pennsylvania does not and has not been harboring any population of mountain lions. The only opportunity that people have to see them coming down through are if they are transient from populations out west, which could potentially happen. It's happened before in other parts of the northeast um, of, of ones being hit and biologically matching ones that they were tracking in Nebraska. So they can travel far distances, okay? But as as having a population here, breeding year-round, nah. There's so just not enough space.
0: Before I give my rebuttal, Simo, have you heard of Mountain Lions of Virginia or West Virginia?
2: Yeah, we've you hear of it, but the uh, Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries says they do not exist in Virginia.
0: I am so sick and freaking tired of all these freaking jay-brones, all these jabronis, saying, oh, man, hey, guess what, dude? Check out this picture, cam picture. And then you go on Google Images and type it up, and you scroll about three-quarters of the way down, and what happens? Some freaking bum you in Colorado has a cougar on his freaking deck. Come on, man. First of all, we don't have land that looks like that out here in our backyards. First of all, there is no – I get – oh, there's a big argument here, Simo. There's a town where – five miles from where me and Maddie are from called Howard, Pennsylvania. All you freaking hear of is mountain lions at Howard, Pennsylvania. I don't know about you guys, but I know I've spent a lot of freaking hours in these Pennsylvania wilds. And I'm, I would have freaking see one. You know what? I also hunt on foot. In rifle season, I, will, I can't sit. I have ADHD in high definition. I can't freaking sit. I won't see shit. But the bottom line is I've been all over this freaking state. And uh, no, nah, I ain't seen nothing. So, therefore... What I'm saying is law folks, there's no such thing as Pennsylvania Mount line. Maddie, thank you. If you uh, if, if you went the other way, I'd probably have to kick you off. Cuz I so, don't I, well, I don't buy it. It ain't happening.
1: Just just to expand on what you said and how stories uh, get built upon as as fake and fabricated. Um, I knew an individual who happened to work at a Lumber Company in Lewistown, I don't want to say the name, it doesn't matter, but you could make assumptions, okay? So, the the person that owned this company sent an email out to his employees of a trail cam picture of a mountain lion, okay? So, the, the, the owner sends this picture out, says, hey, caught this cool picture on my trail camera near my cabin, Okay? My cabins in Montana. So the email <laughs> somehow gets leaked out, and they extract the "my cabins in Montana" part. So of course, the signature still stays as lumber company right there, and people automatically now oh make the assumption of my cabin being as in the central part of the state of Pennsylvania. You see how things get twisted quickly. Yeah,
0: man. I'll tell. I've heard, I've heard Clarence, Matt, I've heard Howard, I've heard William sport. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. The only lion, the only type of lion that's here is the Nittany Lions. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yes, sir. <laughs> Big game in a couple days. I'm hoping, hoping to see
0: changes, but who knows? Uh, we suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not gonna be good. Hey, Johnny, go Tigers. Yes, sir. Go Tigers. Yeah, we got an LSU fan on the other side of the screen here, man. <laughs> well, you know, tease for him. You know, That's a couple right. of tees. I'm not afraid to hold it against them, But, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but man, They're not I going was, too swift. I always thought could be, a mountain lion would be cool. You, oh, yeah? I always – I would love – I think a mountain lion with a bow would be pretty B.A.
1: So, it would. No, I, I couldn't shoot one. I got one tattooed right here on my chest. I can't shoot them.
0: Matt, if you're staring into the in, into your screen right now, you can probably see that Johnny Simonetti was shaking his head. So Johnny's, Johnny is a very big hunter. He's very good. He's very good at posing with people's kills. And the one thing about Simonetti... <laughs> Is uh he has a role, okay? Like you were talking about killing a Kodiak bear, that would be awesome. I would love myself to kill a Kodiak bear. I think taking a, I, I think taking a wolf in in Canada would be just wild. Even if even if you got to make pepperoni sticks out of it, I don't care, eat it, right? But the thing is, Johnny won't hunt something that will eat him. It's a personal role, so he won't. <laughs> nope. So he won't hunt bears. He won't hunt anything that's, you know, kind of badass. He's just going to stick to
2: his He's just going to stick to his whitetail. Stick to my whitetail and turkey, you know. I hey, it's kept me alive for almost 50 years. That's a pretty good rule. <laughs> jo- Johnny, what about coyotes? Oh yeah, I shoot a coyote. It- Hey, if I'm on a deer hunt and I see a coyote, it becomes a coyote hunt. Plain and simple. I'll shoot one of those. I don't care if it's prime time. I don't care if there's a, you know, ten pointer standing in front of me. If a coyote's behind it, I'm going to shoot that coyote every time.
0: You're, t- you're 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 telling me right now if there's a ten point that scored 180, and there's a coyote behind it, you're shooting you're shooting that
2: coyote instead of that 180 buck. No, I'm probably, I'm probably exaggerating. I'll <laughs> 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 try to eject the shell and shoot the coyote too, but no, I'm exaggerating a little bit.
0: <laughs> I've, it's one thing I've never I've never gone coyote hunting. Oh yeah, never have. Have you ever done that, Matt? You know,
1: I I have, um, and I have gone predator hunting uh, in the past, just just for fun, with without any success. Um, but to answer if I were to have to answer that question, I don't know if I I would shoot a coyote, to be honest with you. Um not not that I, I don't have any, you know, regard for somebody that does. I mean I, I don't care. That's your own own opinion. I so I sometimes feel as though predators get a bad rap. You know what I mean? And I know like I know yeah, there's a reason that they have a bad rap. And yeah, there's there's they take out um, different animals that we're hoping to, to harvest and hunt. But at the same time, like, you know, a fox is just trying to live, man. You know, coyotes just trying to live. I feel, you know, you know, they, they get this persona as being quote unquote mean sometimes. You know what I mean? So I wish I wish sometimes like people would have more of a reverence or a respect for an animal rather than casting their own uh, uh, opinions on it, like, persona-wise. Does that, does that make sense to you guys?
0: Perfect sense. It, it does make yeah. sense. What about, so my, so then the, the way that my gears are working now is what about, you know, what about population control with them? Oh no, I I completely agree with that. For for the, for every, every
1: well, environment, there's there's a population control, you know, and and a level at, at which everything could live in a cohesive um, um, way. And when one gets too controlling or too outrageous, yeah, if you want to make sure that. Other things are, are living cohesively. You're going to have to manage things appropriately if, if you want to do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, for me, it, 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 it's kind of like um, you can kind of relate it to, you know, like it, it's not very good to have a boatload of does. Right, Johnny? Right. Like, you know, you, you got to keep like a doe management. You actually have to keep like a doe management program to have something successful how yeah, yeah. how's that stuff working down there in virginia johnny is is there i mean how, is there like a is there a separate dose season
2: for you guys well right now i i the way i the way they changed the laws last year i, I have a feeling we we've got a pretty good population right now because right now when our rifle season opens uh, it's it's either sex the whole rifle season. I mean, we can kill a buck or a doe, and it it hasn't been that way for I don't know how long, you know. And then they just changed it last year, so we've got a pretty good doe population here.
0: Yeah, it's. I remember. Can can anybody remember their first day of their their first day of hunting season with a firearm? Yeah, I remember mine vividly. Maddie, can you? Um. So to answer this
1: question, I I I might not necessarily remember specifically like the day and how it went, but I remember things about that time. Like I remember like vividly going and like camping out with my my at my grandparents' house with my dad, and you know, and getting ready the night before and waking up early and you know things like that, but as it pertains to specifically the, the day, not necessarily. I remember the first deer I shot. Hell yeah. But maybe not the first like day of hunting, but I remember aspects of it, if
0: that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Johnny, your first day hunting, is there anything that sticks out to you? Like how many you saw or,
2: or anything? Oh, I, oh, my first time hunting, I didn't see shit. Really? <laughs> no, I didn't see nothing. You know, I, I I remember you know when I started hunting when I was 12 you know hunting with the old man and the uncles you know they just pretty much say hey Johnny sit here and watch here I, you know I they didn't really teach me anything I was 14 I think when I found my first rub on a tree and I'm like you know what is this and I remember after that when it was, someone told me it was a deer rub you know that they rub the trees I was I was like Yo, cool. So I started buying all books and just reading up on it, and then I'm not saying I'm self-taught because I'm not, and uh, I'm an okay hunter, I guess. I'm not nothing special, but I didn't you killed, really have you, that. You you kill about thirty-two deer a year, dude. No. Somehow legally, I don't understand. <laughs> no, no. I, but I, I, I've never really. I mean, I guess I just taught myself how to hunt over the years. I didn't really have a, you know, my. I, My father and I, we, you know, we never really got along. It was just, you know, here, you go hunt, set here, and they might come from this direction. But, you know, once I got out on my own and I started learning, you know, you know what side of the tree, you know, you know which way the deer was facing when he made the rub and what beds look like. I, I just learned that over the years. I mean, keep in mind, I'm going on 50 years old, so I've been doing it a long time. I've learned a little bit. I'm not a professional by any means, but I do all right. The, uh, the, there's a place, and most people
0: around here probably don't know this, um, because uh, uh, Matt could probably attest to this, but, like, growing up, um, at least myself, Todd Orndorf the show, who I am growing up here, I think if somebody were to, um, I, I don't know, it'd be like, what's Todd into, or whatever, everybody would everybody would say it was one specific thing and that would be baseball I think that's, that's kind of like what somebody like would know of me here I guess um, but uh the the outdoors have been one of the biggest things in my life since I was you know like since my very first day out physically hunting um, at 12 years old but I <clears throat> I grew up hunting in a town called Phillipsburg Pennsylvania. And one of the most majestic places that I think I will ever see is this place I used to hunt called called Big Brushy.
2: It's
0: what mm. we called it. And uh, it, you can no longer hunt it. It was all logged, and uh, it's no longer accessible for hunting. Which I mean, I guess it is. It's just not what it used to be. Is what I is what I've been told. But my first day. My stepfather, actually, Matt Casey's dad, um, he's the one who taught me how to hunt. My real dad was the athletics guy. My stepdad was the outdoors guy. And I hold this guy in very high regard. So to this day, um, he's the one who taught me how to hunt. He took me out to Big Brushy. My first day, Johnny Simo, you ready for this? Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you three guesses. Matt, you too. How many deer I saw my very first day? Nah. The number you can go. Let me help you out here. Pick a number between 100 and 150.
2: Good. So you was
1: okay. Hold on a sec. Where's Big Brushy in relation to the the field at
0: Phillipsburg? It's on the other side of Sandy Ridge.
1: Well, if 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 the if the answer I have to choose from is between 100 and 150, obviously, is a significant number to begin with.
0: It is yeah. a significant number. <laughs> I'm looking for I, I just I just want to see if 125? anybody can guess.
1: 125? <laughs> Where are we going from there?
0: L- b- higher. Simo, you get a guess. 142. Son of a gun, 144. My first day, I saw 144 deer.
2: <laughs> Good My Lord. very
0: first day ever in the woods. If that Dude. doesn't get you freaking pumped... I'll, I'll never I, forget that.
1: I, I I won't lie. I remember times hunting, probably same time frame we're talking, because I was younger, and seeing on my, on my uncle's property, you know, it, it herds, I call them, I guess if you want to say, groups of deer of like 20 plus, like at a time. You know, like, Days where just like you said, Todd, hundred plus days or days when there's that many. It's like, yeah, it's it's wild. Things are so different now, and and they you got a hundred different now, yeah. and like it's just the way things change over time. Yeah, it's it's you wish you could have those numbers, but at the same time, do you really want those numbers? You know, do you want that many deer running around like chewing on stuff and like? screwing things up you know it was awesome to see but like environment was different
0: it is the times are different but as a 12 year old who's being introduced to this basically for the first time other than seeing my stepdad bring one home every year you know what i mean this is like i never did junior hunts or i never did anything that might legit the first time i ever went out hunting was my first day and uh to see that dude i'm telling you man freaking throw the hook out. I'm biting. And they oh, just sure. reeled me right in. It was the coolest thing. Now, it wasn't a herd, which groups of deer are called herds. That's what they are. Um, it, it wasn't one big herd of 144. It was multiple, but it, it was amazing. Right. The, uh, like, it, I don't know, man, there was something crazy and wicked about that. That just set me off. It, I,
1: I remember this one circumstance where – so where I, where I learned to hunt on my uncle's property, may or may not, depending on how you look at things, you're going to judge me. So <laughs> the dude had it set up, and I'm saying it was sweet. Like he had multiple what he called shanties on his property on stilts, right? Fully enclosed with Peterson. doors – Sliding windows, propane heaters. Like you rumble up there on the ATV early in the morning, and you're like up, up, propane on. Sit back here, take a nap till the sun comes up. Wait till the radio starts ringing. You know what I mean? Is it hunting? Sure. Is it real hunting? No. You know? <laughs> but it's fun though <laughs> when you get deer coming and you're picking them off at like 125 yards, right? But um, I'll tell you what, that's uh some of the some of the most fun times I'll never forget and and just like what you were saying, we had a couple of deer run out in front in the in the in the holler, the hollow the valley whatever you want to call it the one time, and having the guys in the shanty just boom out the door and like three of them doosh, 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 you know just trying to sling lead at the, it was so ex- and I'm here like as a twelve year old like oh. Man, this is exciting. Holy cow. You know what I mean? Like hoping they hit it just so I could run after the thing, you know. So <laughs> right. but, but yeah, it's it's hopefully I, I hope and and with being in the the recreation and outdoor industry myself, I really hope that there's a group of, of youth and kids and people today that are having these same experiences that we did as kids because that's the only way that that these resources are going to continue to exist for, you know, years and generations and for other people's kids and things like that. You know what I mean? So, well,
0: well, and so Johnny Simo talks to a lot of people who hunt. He's a, he's a lot of his closest friends are hunters. Am I right, Johnny? Yes, sir. So, So, the Instagram world in hunting and outdoors slash fishing, whatever you want to call it is very very big and I think the one thing about life I think the one thing about the world that we live in is everything is you know everything everything is like a revolving door. What's old is always new again and I think in the past six, seven years simo there has been a really big resurgence of hunting. It's like the cool thing to do again. Yeah. You know, of course, we still have those antis who hate. Yeah, you know, we we still have the people who. You know, that's just the way the world is. Will be till the end of time. But there's something cool again about going out and you know getting your own stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's so. I think. I agree. I think those memories and moments are going to continue to be made. I don't think it will be to what maybe. Johnny had his first time out or, Maddie, your experience of, of the dudes peppering freaking four-legged animals out this window, kaboom, kaboom, <laughs> kaboom, you know what I mean? Or my experience seeing that many deer the first day, I don't think they're going to have at least the, the, that visual, but I think the opportunity as in individuals being out in the wilderness is becoming cool again, if that makes sense to anybody.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. And I think you're right. I think it's just it's real important to get the, the, the young generation out there and get them interested in it. Uh, you know, my daughter knows where and my daughter loves deer meat. I mean, absolutely loves it. She's been raised on it. And she shows a little interest, not so much as she used to. But I think it's still important just to get the younger generation out there and let them experience it. I think
1: and to expand with what you said, which I wholeheartedly agree on, I think too like we're 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 at a point where and and I would love to see more of a push for like um, other op- people having the opportunities that we do in the outdoors having having opportunities for you know, and, and I don't know how this could be done. There's going to be a lot of different ways that you would have to do it. But like ways for like people like that might live in a city that might not have the real resources to go experience a, a place like, you know, a state park or national park. I would love for us to be to a point where they can or people that like live in cities, have the opportunity to go to these places. You know what I mean? So it's it's we can say all we want about how we love the outdoors and we're going to preserve them, but we have to have the opportunity for everybody to have the experience that we do to experience these outdoor settings too. You know what I mean? So it's a crazy, it's a great, crazy thing to like your mind around it. But, but I would love it for like, you know, out, the outdoors is for everybody. God created this planet for everybody. I want everybody to have the opportunity to hike a trail, to catch a fish, to, you know, ex- ex- experience the outside. You know, it, it's and hopefully we get there or, or whatever happens. You know, hopefully that happens someday.
0: Expansion yeah. and teaching. I think that's what will help. If, if you ask me my own opinion, I think we need to expand as in broaden. Our knowledge out to other people we need to just disperse all that to others and then physically maybe take them by the hand and be like look how freaking cool this really is you know
2: yeah and i think exactly what we're doing right here i mean like todd we we've talked about it on the show before you know two years ago i didn't even know what a podcast was right Like we're sitting here talking and we're all, we're, uh, the only thing we've talked about tonight were the outdoors and there are so many hunting podcasts out there that I think people are tuning into and they're like, Hey, these guys sound like they have fun and you know, and they're, they're having fun on the podcast and they really enjoy the outdoors. I think podcasting is, is playing a lot into like you said, Todd. Hey, it's cool again to go out and hunt. You know, I, I I really think that this is an avenue that has has broadened people's uh, I don't know what the word I'm trying to say horizons or you know broaden their interest. For sure, w-
0: w- without question, you know, I mean, and um, and I I I believe that to be absolute fact. All you got to do is my goodness is to listen to Steve Ranilla on the Meat Eater podcast. My God, is it like this, the the experiences that Steve Ranilla has. Which is, you know, he's the, he's honestly straight up, he's the reason why I want to get to Prince of Wales Island. Just because, you know, watching the show, hearing him talk about how majestic it really is. And, uh, you know, with the popularity now of podcasting, with how, you know, there's over three quarters of a million podcasts out there. And somehow, Johnny, we are kind of rocking it. I don't know how, but we are, dude. 28, uh, Twenty-nine countries. Holla at you. So... <laughs> I, just said, I just said holla at you i've never said that on my show <laughs> holla, at you, holla at you, boy i just freaking said holla at you oh man I'm feeling, Jamil thanks for the whiskey bro but well,
1: uh, no i'm thinking i'm thinking of days back in high school was it was it you that came in dressed as nelly that one high school year am i not mistaken yeah of course it was me okay that's okay yep we're there
0: I'm the lay, I'm the lay, mama. uh E-I. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> what's poppin'? <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, by the way, when we were doing that, Johnny was like 40. But, uh, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know what's cool? I know exactly what you're talking about. That's because that's you're a hip son of a gun,
0: my friend. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, gentlemen, I think we are going to, uh. We're gonna to start to wrap this up, but real quick before we wrap this up, Matt, what are you wrapping over there right now? Tell, so, the, world what tell the world what you're doing at this very moment. Been, while, uh, while we've been podcasting, so I've been working.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I've been working on tying some flies. Um, if if let me try to see if I can try to show you something quick here. Um,
0: it's one of my favorite hobbies, by the way.
1: So I I told you. Um, so my my family, and when I say my family, really my my father, my grandfather, um, they've they've been a huge influence on my life as as a fisherman and as a fly fisherman. And um, I I have here um, my my grandfather's original fly box. It's it's uh, one of the originals um, made in Hollidaysburg, um, Pennsylvania. Um, oh, I don't know nice. if you can see. It. It's one of these that that flap down, and you know you have all your flies in there. And um, I still have a lot of my grandfather's old flies that he tied in here still like 60, 70 year old flies. And um, I'm one of those people that I, you know, buying buying new gears and gadgets and gizmos is fun. And I think that's awesome. But I I really try to uh, acquire things and use things or recycle things, if you want to say. Right. So the fly rod that I use now is actually a rod that I found in my grandfather's house when we were cleaning things out uh, bef- before we we had to to sell the property. And I use a rod that I found there. It was one that was originally designed to be a combo, like a, a, a combo uh, spin reel or fly reel rod that they used to right. make back in the day. And um, I use a, a fly reel that my buddy Chris Sarbo sent me, a real awesome flyer fisherman in central Pennsylvania, Um, he's on the Instagram too. Um, he sent me a reel. And so like, I use these things that, and I catch fish and like, I use old flies or I tie them myself and you know, it's, you don't, and, and I do this not just because like, I'm trying to like prove a point, but it's like, it's fun for me. But honestly too, I do it because like, you don't need to have all this like crazy expensive stuff in order to have fun outside. You know what I mean? You don't need like to buy the most expensive thing or have this. You can just literally use stuff that you are given, acquire, or fix yourself and still catch fish or shoot animals or take pictures of things. or You know what I mean? So, But but long story short, I've been trying to tie some flies, specifically one that my grandfather um, and my, my dad really got me turned on to. It's called a picket pin a Picket pin fly, and so here's, um, here's, here's one that my grandfather um, tied, and it's, it's just a simple, easy fly. It's a wet fly. I got really into um, other than um, dry fly fishing, I love dry fly fishing because it's like top water smallmouth fishing or bass fishing when you're like you actually see the action in front of you. But other than that, I really got into uh, drifting wet flies this year, and the picket pin is one that you could use any time out of the year. It's a go-to fly for sure. So I was just trying to mimic some of those um, from my grandfather's tie uh, fly box, and then of course ties on my own. I was about to work on a probably a small little wooly bugger here, just to, something easy to end the night on. Um, but yeah, trying to one of those things connect the past and grow as an outdoorsman and learn from from people before me and, and to, to take that knowledge on with me and hopefully pass it on to somebody in the future.
0: You're a good dude, man. That's awesome. Nice. That's nice. freaking cool. Yeah. I appreciate uh, that. Fly tying. It has become like a really big passion of mine. It is um, actually, man, I don't even know if you know this or not, but when I lived in Pittsburgh, I was uh flying tie. I was flying ties. How about that? I was flying <laughs> flies um, left and right. And I was, Selling them, and as of I mean, at at that time, I haven't sold any or even tried to for about two years now. But my flies were being my geez, my dot. What am I saying? My flies were being fished. That was way off. My flies were being fished in 32 states, and uh, it was cool because the people who bought my flies, I would ship them my flies, and then I would say, Hey, look, if you get some. Just because, like, it's me. I'm not trying to get big or nothing. It's just a hobby and, who knows, you know, make a few bucks, whatever, just to replenish my stack of stuff, whatever. And, uh, dude, these people would, like, send me pictures from Colorado or, like, you know, out in Utah and stuff. It was, like, the coolest thing in the world. But there is no greater feeling as a fisherman, I believe, than tying your own fly, walking out to the waters and bam – and with because uh, you know what? you just have a bear hook and son of a gun i did that i created something that that son of a gun wanted it's one of the coolest feelings in the world
1: this is true and it makes up for being sometimes one of the most frustrating things yeah. in the world too yeah <laughs> whether, without question whether it's you're on you're like fifth or sixth fly of the night and you just can't seem to get something right or you back cast into a tree and all of a sudden you're just son of a gun and everything but yeah no you're right catching something on a fish a trout on a fly that you created manipulated string and fur and feather together to make something that it saw as a a part of the ecosystem around it something that it's going to try to eat to consume that it, it recognizes is Something that makes you crazy as a fisherman to keep trying to do over and over and over again and get better at, you know?
0: Absolutely. So. We're gonna have listen when Johnny Simo comes up, we're gonna have to get him on a fly rod. We're gonna have to get him out in the waters, and uh, let's uh, let's let's take that boy to school and let's teach him what it's like to be a Pennsylvanian.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's, let's do it. Up. Uh,
0: so. That's right. Real quick, before we go, because we are going to sign off here, guys. We've been rocking and rolling on this thing now. I think we're about like an hour and a half. Um, one little quick thing. My first ever time in a canoe, in a canoe, was with Matt Truesdale and Mr. Dave. We were uh, we were at Bald Eagle State Park. I don't even know if you remember this, Matt. But, uh,
1: I'm going through my, my cranium files right now. There's a Keep lot going. in there,
0: buddy. There's a lot in there. <laughs> Dig deep. Well, my first time ever in a canoe, Simo, was actually with Mr. Matt Truesdale. I was, I was 15, he was 14 at Bald Eagle State Park. In Howard, you know, just to have where all the freaking mountain lions are. But so, Matt Truesdale, where can people find you on social media, my friend, if they want to look you up and see all your fish?
1: I'm, I'm pretty
0: active on Instagram. Uh, my
1: name is pretty simple. Just look me up, Matt, M A T T, dot Truesdale. T as in Tom, R-U-E as in elephant, S as in snake, D as in dog, A-L-E. And that's how you can find me, Matt Truesdale on Instagram. Pretty easy.
0: Awesome. Simon, where can I find you, my friend?
2: Johnny Simo, tattooed in the wild on Instagram. And Johnny Simonetti on TikTok.
0: Have you been active on TikTok by the way? No, I haven't been. I really. know you got to get on that man. That's the that freaking hilarious, and it actually does get addicting. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find me on the Talkcast on Instagram, which I have not been active on. I do apologize. Do got to get better on that. On the Talk, <laughs> Simon's giving me the yeah, dude, get with it. Uh, <laughs> on the Talkcast on TikTok, and uh, yeah, you can find us. Listen, if you guys like the show, which Thankfully, we know that you uh, that a lot of you guys freaking do. Feel free to support the show, anchor.fm slash Todd Warner from Podcast. 99 cents. It ain't that freaking hard. Go ahead and try it. And, uh, yeah, man, this has been an awesome time. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Maddie. good seeing you, man. Good talk to you. It's been uh, far too long. Yes,
1: thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed this. Hopefully, we can do it again in the future.
0: That's, listen, when Simo comes up here, we'll all get together and do it live in person.
1: Yes, sir. We'll need to get some live, live uh, fly fishing action footage too.
0: Oh man, we're going to be invading YouTube, <laughs> uh, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. My name is Todd Orndorff. Out. Peace. We're talking about a man. That's me. He's known uh-huh. worldwide. You heard him. He has listeners everywhere. Damn near every corner of the globe. That's far. I'm a podcast veteran. Been in the game for 10 years. I got the co-host. That knows most, and that's Johnny. And I'm Toddy. This is the TC.